Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil, and I think that Tom Hardy should be getting a lot more notice and accolades for his performance in this film than he is. Ooh, very interesting. Very uh, interesting. I am your co-host, Andrew, and what I was going to say is that, yet again, we see a new Tom Hardy look, <laughs> and we hear a new Tom Hardy accent. That's right. How do you like his patchy half scalp look uh in this film it was creepy it was very creepy i don't know if it's going to catch on uh maybe in new york (laughs) maybe Um, it's possible we're talking about the movie the revenant the brand new award-winning film starring leonardo dicaprio and Mm -hmm. tom hardy and um marks the return of alejandro gonzalez inaritu uh to the filmmaking pantheon uh, before we get into the discussion, though, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog at www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. On our blog, all of our shows are posted going back to the very beginning. And also you can leave comments and listener requests for movies you would like us to review. You can do some of those same things on our Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In The Q. It's spelled Q-U-E-U-E. One of the few words in the English language that only has one consonant. I think that's awesome. On our Facebook page, all of our shows <laughs> are posted. And uh, we post videos and other supplemental things that kind of comment on the discussion that we happen to be having about that particular film. Also, we are on iTunes. Just subscribe to us uh, in the podcast section. All of our shows will be delivered to you toot sweet as they're recorded and released twice a week. And lastly, you can follow us on Twitter... Our handle is at ITQ Podcast. Oh, yeah. Please follow us on Twitter. We want to widen our base. We're already getting more and more followers every day. It's pretty awesome. Indeed it is. Yeah. I agree with it's you It's kind there. of nice, you know? And it it, we love to hear from our listeners. We would love to hear any feedback you guys might have on the Facebook page or Twitter or, or whichever. Uh, we're here for you. Yeah, we are. We're, we're here for we're you. We're standing by waiting to take your calls. No, not really. So The Revenant is a new film, which is ostensibly based on a true story. Um, it takes place in the 1820s, and it's about uh, a man named Hugh Glass, who is a fur trader. And he is basically on this expedition with a bunch of his fellow tra- uh, fur traders, along with his son, who is a half-breed Indian in Hawk. And mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of the film, they're basically hunting. They're looking for, you know, pelts. And um, uh, some tension forms uh, between Glass and John Fitzgerald, paid by, played by Tom Hardy, mm-hmm. um, because uh, of a, an attack by the... Uh, the Arakara Indians uh, basically forced the, the fur traders to retreat and leave behind a lot of the pelts that they were, were going to take with them. Oh. And um, John Fitzgerald is a kind of a sort of a cocky SOB who who believes that his way is the right way to do things. Um, but both men are basically following the captain of the, of the crew played by Domhnall Gleeson in yet another film of 2015. Yeah, how many has he been in this year? It's actually only three, but they're all three very high-profile films. Big films. Yeah. And he was also in 
Black Mirror, even though that was probably last year or the year before in England, but yeah. is relatively new to yeah, he's like, the Americans. He's like really hot stuff now. Um, yeah. But what happens to Mr. Glass is he gets separated from the party in the woods, um, and he comes across a couple of bear cubs, and he's getting ready to shoot them when he realizes that old old adage, you know, you might say, <laughs> where there's smoke, there's fire, and he hears grunting, he turns around, giant grizzly bear jumps on him and, and attacks him in a very kind of virtuoso show-stopping sequence. Uh, it mauls him, it, you know, he's left for dead with the bear on top of him at the bottom of a ravine. Things are not good. Um, the captain, Andrew Henry, played by Dom Gleason, uh, thinks they should save Hugh Glass. They should take him with them, even though he's basically, you know, incapable of moving. They have to strap him to a stretcher. Yeah. Uh, and they do make a go of it. They try to take him back through kind of the snowy landscape, but it proves to be so difficult that um, Don Mugleason says, okay, I will pay three of you guys to stay behind and try and save Glass, but the rest of us have to keep moving on because we cannot, we cannot all risk losing all of our men on this endeavor. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, Hawk, Hugh Glass's son, stays behind, as well as a, uh, a younger uh, man named Bridger and then John Fitzgerald. Long story short, John Fitzgerald basically uh, leaves Glass for dead and ends up killing Hawk and escaping with Bridger. Uh, but of course, Bridger's not aware of that until later. Uh, the whole film, for the most part, is a kind of struggle on the part of Hugh Glass to fight for his very life and uh, take revenge upon the man who killed his son and nearly killed him. So it's a very kind of sort of survivalist film. It's very mm-hmm. kind of rugged. And you actually are watching Leonardo DiCaprio doing a lot of these things that can't be faked, such as swimming down a, a river, which I'm sure is freezingly cold, and mm-hmm. um, in, eating uh, raw bison flesh, mm-hmm. and um, just kind of all kinds of things that make it a very physical performance. And I actually think, like a lot of other people are saying, that this is going to be his year at the Oscars. I say that because not only is it a strong performance, um, but it is very physically demanding. And also I think the crop of Best Actor nominees for this year is kind of weaker than usual. Yeah, that probably is the thing that works most in his favor, is that I don't think that there's going to be a... uh, I mean, I think, as always, there are going to be great actors nominated great performances nominated but this is uh i was talking with one of my friends and they said that they thought that the award for best at the academy awards should really just be renamed most instead of best so (laughs) the person who most acted the role or most directed the film are the ones who always tend to win in 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 a way saying that the people who really overdid it in whatever that thing may be mm-hmm. are the ones who are going to win. And it, he certainly uh, put himself through the ringer in this film. But then again, so did everybody in this film. The The production, if you read the accounts of the production itself, it was a very uh, cold and dreary and 
difficult, physically demanding and difficult yeah. production for everyone, including the, the crew members on this film. A lot of people actually dropped out of the film because of the yeah, conditions yeah. and it went um, significantly over budget and over uh, shooting period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it looks very authentic and that look is also sort of exacerbated by the directing style of Inuritu, which is long takes. Uh, long takes, ala- elaborate long camera takes. movements. Of course, you can't really trust most of that nowadays, because you know a lot of it is, you know, computer aided. Yeah, yeah. Well, but we also got to keep in mind that uh, Inuritu's worked before with Emmanuel Lubezki, mm-hmm. who is the the director of photography on this film, and uh, I, I think this may be his sort of magnum opus in a, in a manner of speaking. Uh, other than I think he 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 did Birdman in last year as well. Yeah, and he won. He, this could and he this won could the, be his award. his third Oscar in a row because he won for Gravity. Oh yeah, then Birdman, and now this. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's an extraordinary cinematographer. I mean, I think that there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this film, especially, I mean, some of the, just the 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 vistas, the yeah, uh, the shadows emerging from the mist in this film the the sort of painterly approach to it i mean it looked like it was it was like a landscape painting from the 1800s it was really extraordinary in in a number of different ways and i believe it was all done with natural light too it it looks natural it it doesn't look particularly computer doctored although i you know i mean that's obviously uh something that you can fake mm-hmm. reasonably well um, what I meant by the the computer aided thing, though, is not necessarily the the lighting or the exposure of the shots. That's just the mm-hmm. stitching together of different shots to create one the illusion of one shot. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense because that's that's what they had to do with Birdman and which and, was, uh, Gravity. Also, that's what Lubezki did. And Gravity. With, um, yeah, that opening with Fluid Master. With his buddy Quaron. Yeah, Alfonso Quaron. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. Uh, it's a, it's a very interesting film. I still haven't quite decided if I loved it or not. (laughs) Dude, dude, no, no, no. I felt the exact same way. I really, I I didn't know what I thought of it. And then I saw it a second time. I never do this people. I never see new movies a second (laughs) time for the show, but I did. And it made it so much better the second time. It was so worth it it the second time. Interesting. Interesting. Well, maybe I'll have to go see it a second time. Then. Well, I, I decided to take advantage of this also because I had I now work at a movie theater and I can see it for free. So why the hell not? Should I take advantage? Yeah, yeah. But when I first saw it, I kind of was a little bit, I guess, underwhelmed at how it seemed to be nothing but like one hardship piled on top of another. And, yeah, it's yeah. Like how much can one man take? Right. Kind of a, and and. Even like the non-survival scenes, like the scenes between Tom Hardy and and Domino Gleason and and Poulter and yeah. the other guys, it was also kind of uh, there was an artlessness to the the dialogue. I mean, the uh-huh. the yeah, of yeah. course the composition was 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 you know pretty and in an ugly way because it was the conditions were harsh, but it was just kind of like. The way that they built up 
kind of how we're supposed to side with Glass against Fitzgerald. Like yeah, one yeah. thing after another, it was all kind of like, um, kind of like uh, they were bludgeoning us over the head with why Fitzgerald deserves to die the whole time. Right, um, right, right. I, but as I said in my opening thing, I thought that Hardy did a great job of playing this kind of wide-eyed psychopath, basically. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I just kind of felt like. I knew I knew exactly what the movie was about after the first viewing, and it was about revenge. It was about survival, but it was mostly about, you know, revenge. Did did that change on the second viewing, or did it just reinforce what you had already sort of? It actually did kind of change because at the very beginning of the film, there's kind of a Terrence Malickian uh, little montage. Oh yeah, where uh, yeah, where... I, had the, I felt the Malick strong in this film. <laughs> Lubezki picked up some lessons from other directors, maybe. <laughs> um, when they had this this image of like a very kind of expressionistic tree, tree of life sort of thing, and yeah, um, yeah. and we hear voiceover of of Glass talking to his son, saying, you know, take every breath you can, fight for every breath, yeah, um, yeah, you know, take take as much of life as you can, and that actually kind of stuck with me i remembered it while i was watching the whole film which i didn't do the first time i saw it yeah and um and that combined with seeing how everything was done now now that i knew what the point of every scene already was seeing Mm -hmm. how they got there every single time made it more interesting and it's if you're a filmmaker or if you pay attention to the way films are made there's a lot to sort of take in you know because Inuritu's style is grandly cinematic, and it's yeah, it's very yeah. kind of virtu- virtuosic, and he could very well take home Best Director at the Oscars two years in a row, I feel. Well, he took home the Golden Globe. Yeah, although last year the Golden Globe was taken by Boyhood and Richard Linklater. That's true. That's very true. Uh, it is not always a good predictor of what the Oscar, the eventual Oscar winner will be. Not really. Um, and and we oftentimes get a situation where if a director or an actor has won recently, Academy voters will vote in a in a different way in order to allow somebody else the opportunity. It doesn't always yeah. happen. You know, obviously we have the Tom Hankses of the world who win in two consecutive years, mm-hmm. but uh, that's rare. That's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, that is rare. Yeah, but uh, well, tell me, Andrew, what were your reservations about *The Revenant*? Well, I I felt like, I mean, the film it 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 goes at a very slow pace, which doesn't bother me at all. I actually enjoyed the slow pace of the film, and I liked the the build of it, and it was sort of punctuated by these moments of extreme, brutal violence. You know, with these long stretches of of uh, desolation and nothingness and you know, the cold, like almost, you know, mm-hmm. you know, sort of seeped out of the screen and into the room. Yeah. You know, it just felt it. I don't know if I've ever felt colder in a movie <laughs> in my life, but um, I, I think most of my reservations come with the resolution of the film. Um, I think I found it to be anticlimactic and somewhat underwhelming uh, when it happened. I mean, uh, the amount of sort of hatred that you build up uh, for Tom Hardy's character in this film, 
it ends in a very uh, strange kind of mono a mono battle mm-hmm. uh, that I don't know. It seemed a little bit labored, a little bit forced. Well, and, and I'm not sure that I, I I enjoyed that as much, even though there were plenty of moments where I just like I recoiled from the sort of shocking violence of the. Uh-huh. Of their battle with one another, and also many moments prior to that, including the, the the bear mauling, which was brutal as could possibly be. Sure, yeah. Um, but well, let, yeah, let's give I, a, I guess a spoiler alert, just because you're you're, of you're course, touching yeah. upon something that I want to talk about, but I don't want to spoil the film. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is everybody consider this your spoiler alert if uh, we haven't already spoiled a little bit of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause well, I mean, you, you kind of know what's going to happen. I mean, yeah, well, but the very, the very, the very ending though, where you were, you, yes. you were saying you were not satisfied so much by the mano a mano battle. And I was wondering if it was because of what it turned into where uh, uh, glass kind of re, um, re, uh, retained some of his humanity by not finishing off um Fitzgerald, and instead passing him on to the the Indian tribe, who I for one wasn't the, clear. The re? the re, I wasn't clear that they were specifically hunting Fitzgerald. No, they were not hunting Fitzgerald. They were hunting the people who had taken the their leader's daughter, Oaka, Yeah, which had turned. Which big spoiler alert because it kind of kind of the turning point of the entire film right here at the end in case you haven't tuned out already this is a big spoiler alert because it spoils the ending of the film completely but the woman that he rescues from those frenchmen Mm -hmm. is the same woman that they were searching for yeah um and and so he sort of gets a pass uh for having done a good deed by rescuing her from the frenchmen Mm -hmm. um and they do him a solid by scalping, <laughs> <laughs> by scalping Tom Hardy. Uh, but it wasn't so much that. In fact, that part of it I, I actually enjoyed. Um, I just felt like it was like a lot of sound and fury for very little towards the end. And I also was confounded by the final shot of the film. Hmm. When I'm not the, sure the, when what, Leo looked into your soul amidst yeah. the snowy landscape. Yeah, I don't really. I I'm not sure that I understood that because it's the only time that they sort of break the fourth wall in the film, mm-hmm. and I don't understand the purpose of it because I mean it's clear that he's just he's gonna die right out there in the wilderness. He's not gonna make it out of this whole mess alive, right? Um, so well, so what is what is the meaning of that last <laughs> shot? What do you think? I think. Anytime you have a character look into the camera at the end of the film, it's kind of anticlimactic because they're basically putting the ball in our court. We're basically the ones who have to decide for ourselves what's going to happen next. Uh, well, sometimes that's very effective, like in JFK, when Kevin Costner addresses the audience. And it's the only time that they break the fourth wall in that film. It's a very effective thing because he's actually pleading with the audience to do the research to demand the release of the records to find out what happened to this president of ours that got killed. And, and it's, it can, it can be a very effective Mm -hmm. sort of filmic device. I just, I was confounded by it in this film. Well, I agree that I think he's going to die, 
I think that yeah. he, he his desire for revenge is, has cost him his own life, which is fitting. You know, an eye for yeah. an eye. I mean, I think that yeah, yeah. makes yeah. you know poetic justice. Um, but uh, I I did ask myself too. Well, what if what if it just faded out with with him looking off in the distance? What would how, what would the effect of that be, rather than him turning to look at the camera, or like a wide shot of him being consumed by the landscape or something? Right. Yeah, and um, I really feel kind of take it or leave it about that Inuritu's choice at the end. Um, I think that I really am glad that they faded away as soon as they did. Um, yeah, he made, yeah. he made eye contact with the camera, but he, I can sort of understand why that choice was made because he's, for so much of the film, he's by himself. There's nobody there. It's just him and us watching him. So in a way, it's kind of like we bonded with this guy. He bonded with us in a weird way. And so you know, we're kind of with him. We're the only people there who are there at, yeah, in his, yeah. to witness his final moments. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I can see why they made that decision. And it's not like a very, it's kind of a, a sly, almost subtle, just sort of pass to the left, you know, where yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's not like he's like looking all around him and then he looks into the camera. It's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, subtler than that. Uh, well, and, and doesn't it follow a vision of his, his wife or his, the mother of his child? Yeah. I think, I think uh, he has a, a a flashback of her. Um, but uh, I guess, it, you know, Inuritu goes for the jugular in this movie. And I think <laughs> he really wanted to have some kind of a connection to, to end the film with. So yeah. I can see that's maybe one reason why he did it. And uh, yeah. it's, it didn't ruin the film for me. Um, but I definitely noticed it. It wasn't nearly as bad as Joseph Gordon-Levitt on top of the torch of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Uh, narrating in that outrageous French accent. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Um, so I, I gave it a pass. Oh, man. Oh, that movie. Uh, the Walk. The Walk. Um, so you uh, opened by saying uh, good things about Tom Hardy. You think he's getting under uh underpraised for this film. And I say that because I think John Fitzgerald is one of the most fully realized characters of any film this year. Ooh, I, wow. I really do think that he maybe it wasn't that difficult for him to play that role. Maybe he didn't act the shit out of it like Leo acted his role. Uh he didn't act it the most, as you mentioned. <laughs> but it was such a convincing character. And so indelible that, yeah, I think, I think he really does deserve at least some nominations. I wouldn't be surprised if this this week he ends up getting a an Oscar nomination for supporting actor for that film. Maybe. Um, I, I think that I think he certainly is excellent in this film. Um, he didn't impress me in the same way that he impressed me in a movie like Locke from last year, which was uh, a lot. Uh, a lot more sort of difficult a, a, a task, I think, to, to carry an entire film on your shoulders just as the only character in the in the film, right. the only character on screen in the film. Uh, I think is is 
like that that impressed me a lot more but at the same time i do think that he is a rich character i do think that he's a a motivated character um Mm -hmm. by terrible motivations but a motivated character nevertheless and um and i think that tom hardy really bites into it you know he bites into the character but there's there's something for me Tom Hardy I like a lot, man. Mm-hmm. I really like him and I think that he's got a great screen presence, but there's something for me that that d- doesn't quite hit. Like for instance, there's a there's a, a sort of a mini monologue that he gives in this film where he's talking about you know, he, his character is half scalped yeah. in this film. He's he's got a sort of massive scar on his head, wispy hair uh, where, you know, most of his scalp was taken from him. And he describes the horror of that happening to him and the sound of the blade and the blood running down his face. And it's only then that he knew that he was being scalped and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And then came the pain. And I think about, for instance, uh, our friend Mr. Shaw from Jaws (laughs) describing the, the USS Indianapolis thing, right? Yeah. And how much terror and kind of uh how how horrible that the retelling of that story seemed mm-hmm. right and in this film the words that were coming out of his mouth were hor- you know just filled with horror but i kept thinking to myself like man i'd like to see like robert duvall give this same speech <laughs> or something you know somebody somebody oh, who, I th- like yeah i i think like Robert Shaw or Robert Duvall for that matter. Or Robert Duvall, um, yeah. I think that they both possess a, a certain degree of intelligence that Tom Hardy's character doesn't. I think Tom Hardy's character yeah, that's really, true. is a simple man. He's perhaps yeah, borderline yeah. retarded or, or but certainly psychopathic. And he doesn't yeah. have that kind of self-awareness or sly, self-deprecating humor to to charm us while he's telling us this terrible story like Shaw did. Yeah, that's not a bad point. And and I do think that, you know, I mean, if you boil it down to that, then he's just basically describing the, just the things that happened. Right. I heard this noise. I saw this thing. I tasted this blood, you know, like. Yeah, that's why there's that um, kind of strangely humorous interlude where he talks about God as a squirrel. Do you remember that? Part? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, He's it's like he he kind of knows he's saying something funny, but he doesn't sort of betray that to us. He's just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And you get the impression that maybe he really, you know, really did think that God was a squirrel <laughs> and he ate that squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he believes that he devoured his own God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's an interesting part of the film for sure. I actually was was. I wanted to revisit that particular scene because I felt like that was making a broader statement about his character and it's really his relation to the world around him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, it, it sort of went by so fast that I, I didn't quite know. And, and the film's a pretty overwhelming film in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's why I had, I had reservations about actually seeing it again and putting myself through that one more time. But yeah, um, yeah. it was, I'd say it was worth it overall. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a positive thing. All right. 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. So The Revenant it won Best Drama, Best Director, Best Actor yeah. at the Golden Globes. And yeah. as we as we discussed earlier, the Golden Globes are not always a barometer for who will win the top Oscars. But I feel like The Revenant's main competition is probably something like Spotlight, which didn't win any Golden Globes. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of losing momentum while, I know. while The Revenant is gaining momentum. I know. to see this. Yeah, yeah. But, well, it did come out early in the season. Yeah. I mean, it came out in, what, uh, early November? Yeah. Late, late October, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But I think this is Leo's year. But we shall see. The nominations come out Thursday morning, 5.30 yeah. a.m. Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> <laughs> That's real early. Yeah. Well, so overall, though, um, having the benefit of seeing it a second time, I do recommend The Revenant to... To pretty much anybody who's interested, I recommend it as well. Although, I, I it's a difficult movie to watch if if you um, if you have a an issue with gore and uh, viscera and also animal killings and also animal killings, it will be a very distressing film to you. Uh, it's also it's also very drawn out. Um, the the uh, Trailers make it look like it's action-packed, but that action is sparse. <laughs> it is spread out over the entire length of the film. Uh, again, I have no problem with this, but uh, but I know that uh, that it can be a it can be a, a heck of a slog to get through. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's a great performance by Leo. It's a great performance by Tom Hardy. Um, Domino Gleason even turns in a really solid performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say even as though like he didn't turn in other great performances this year. <laughs> no, but his role isn't exactly you know a big one, but it's pretty crucial, and he does a good yeah. uh, American accent too. He does, yeah, he does it, and, and actually, so does Tom Hardy. Uh, I mean, a, a number of different people. Another, uh, there's a lot of Brits in this film, uh-huh. and they all turned in really good accents. Will Poulter is another, indeed. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, pretty. Fascinating movie. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about the momentum that it has right now because I, I'm not sure that I would put this at the top of my list uh, as impressive a film as it is. Uh-huh. But uh, but it certainly seems to have all the forward momentum right now. Indeed. So, so we'll see we what, shall see. We'll see what happens. So that's our show about The Revenant. Um, stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be a listener's choice. We're going to have... Andrew from Greensboro on the program and we're going to talk about five easy pieces the Jack Nicholson chestnut the classic from 1970 yeah so stay tuned for that one